I have to consent. I've consented. <gasps> oh boy. Here we go, Mary. Oh, we're back. <laughs> it's season four of the Melrose Placecast, everybody. Oh my God. Are we going to get sued? Uh, sure. No, no. This is a parody podcast, so we're not going to get sued. And as a reminder to everybody going into season four, if you're still with us, this is not a parody. I'm sorry. Not a recap podcast. It is yeah. a parody podcast. Yeah. I, what are we parodying? <laughs> Anything that would get us sued. Okay, great. Okay. So season four, oh my God, I just can't wait to get started. I mean, we left with such a cliffhanger. The actual was bombing. There a, is there a bombing? I don't know yet. There was a bombing, Mary. We saw Kimberly press the button. Hey, well, I didn't see anything explode. And as, no, yes, we did. Because as we determined, the Lifetime movie of Melrose Place was canon. You saw the bombing. Kimberly is floating in the pool. Oh boy. So oh. that's official. And you know what else I'm so excited about? Darren Starr. Thank God he's gone and off oh, to Jersey or wherever. Wherever he went. You know, like out by where Sully landed that airplane. Oh, those geese were a real problem. They were a real problem. So with Darren's Darren's Star? Darren Star. Did I say Darren Spelling? You almost did. <laughs> Darren it would Star. with Aaron Spelling. So out of here. We got we, we, we got a good 12 characters on the credit scene. That's more than there's ever been. That's crazy. This intro is getting a little long. I think we should get started. <laughs> I got so lost. Anyway, season four of the Melrose Place cast begins right now. Thank God. Hello and welcome to the Melrose Place cast. Today we're talking about season four, episode nueve. Amanda unplugged. I'm Mary. That, I'm Tiege, and that means episode nine. Episode nine. You just wanted to yell something that sounded real German, like nine. I can say nine, nine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Amanda unplugged. Who is? What a what a title. What a what a what a wordsmith they had working on these titles. Let me tell you. Okay, I will let you tell me. Go ahead. I was being sarcastic. <laughs> Mary, I am getting super bold with my selections this week. Only now are you getting bold. Previously, they were just so obvious that no one, no one could have imagined. My the bold. third, the third point that I'm going to spin into high art for the generations. I promise you, when you hear it, you're going to be like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> well, I like that a lot of times when you do that, so I'm looking forward yeah. to it. <laughs> All right. So the first quote that I have uh, comes from Dr. Mancini. Oh. And he said, I can if they have insurance. Uh. So, yeah, I think that, that point writes itself. Second, uh, we have a man dictating a woman what she could do with her body with Billy saying, you can't be pregnant. <laughs> so feel good about that one. And then the third one. Oh, I'm saving it for the end, Mary. I'm saving it for the second half, but it's from Dr. Shaw. Oh. I do, see? Oh, already you're like, what the hell? I'm so intrigued. <laughs> and I'm going to turn this quote into high art for the generations worthy of literary praise. It is Kimberly Shaw saying, well, I have been involved in the mental health profession. <laughs> oh, wow. Mary, I'm up for the challenge this week. Good, good. I can't wait to find out more. 
<laughs> well, can I get started with my first argument? Yeah, sure. I can if they have insurance. <laughs> can I assume you're going to be talking about Amanda and Jack? Or do I should I run that storyline here? I mean, we are not technically a recap podcast, but no, I am not talking about them. Okay, all right. Well, I'll, I'll quickly get you it. First, the nurse, who I believe is the same nurse that Jane hired for Michael when he was in a wheelchair. No, I wish she was, but she was also pretty great. <laughs> yeah, well, similar build, similar structure. Sure, sure. Yeah. Anyway, the nurse keeps calling Amanda Mrs. Parisi and thinks Amanda is there to cheer Jack up. She says, I, it's just so great what you're doing. And you know, miracles can happen. Mm-hmm. To which Amanda said, I hadn't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> And then Amanda gets in his ear and whispers that she hopes he dies. And I, it had flashback. It was serving up Joe and Reed to me, right? It was like on a boat. Yes. Yeah, it did remind me of being on a boat that way. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. So this is all coming together. Sydney is picking up that something is up with Amanda's husband, right? She's kind of zeroing in on something. Michael tries to push her off and says, I'm in this too, so don't don't bring me down. And so th- I don't remember when Sydney stopped spying on Michael for Peter. I kind of assumed it was when Kimberly came back and then they decided to hire the actor to play Bob from Twin Peaks. Yeah, but that was after when Kimberly came back and Michael pretended to be in love with her and broke her heart again. I, I honestly can't even keep track anymore. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you know who else can't? The writers. Okay. Uh, Jack's lawyer is threatening Amanda and saying you just better sign these release papers, whatever. Amanda is out at Shooters wearing a, hysterically, sitting on the bar wearing a witch hat. <laughs> She's drunk. Peter picks her up and carries her out of the bar like he is Craig from Models Inc. taking Julie away from a party. It is a time-honored Melrose Place tradition to have a man pick up a woman and carry her out of somewhere. Let me just paint the picture for everyone. Amanda Woodward is visibly excessively drunk. Peter Burns, who went to jail for her attempted murder, (laughs) is carrying her away. This drunk woman kicking and screaming. Nobody moves. Hashtag me too. Yeah, I, I just, you know, it makes more sense. The more time goes on, the more I understand how Sandy had a stalker. And everybody said, why don't you try and date him? He seems real into you. Yeah, why are you being so mean to that nice guy who's just stalking you? Yeah. Anyway, Peter carries Amanda home. Amanda, by the way, Heather Locklear plays a drunk Amanda Woodward very well. She is fun when she's drunk. She's fun when she's drunk. I remember when she got drunk on that Russian poison at <laughs> Matt and Katya's wedding. And yeah. Amanda said, they're a great couple. Except they're not really, are they? <laughs> yeah, she should be drunk a little more often. It's fun. Yeah, so she seduces Peter. Peter is being a gentleman trying to leave because we're rehabbing Peter as a permanent character, right? Um, Peter leave. Peter's trying to leave without having sex or without taking an organ. Both are challenging for him. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Amanda kicks Peter out in the morning and Peter says, I just wish you'd figure out what the hell you want. Because after Peter professes... His love for Amanda Woodward. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great, great, great. Later, Sydney is listening in on Peter and Amanda, uh, and she records the confession. So Sydney now knows that Amanda is to some degree responsible for Jack Creasy almost being dead. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Amanda says, 
to Peter while Sydney is listening, listening. If he does wake up, I really will kill him. I really will. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're getting to the art point, but we had to cover this storyline wise. Uh-huh. Um, Peter is leaving and says to Michael, can you handle any emergencies that come in? Because he has to leave to deal with Amanda and Jack. And Michael says, like a jackass, like a capitalist, like an American, I can if they have insurance. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. USA. USA. That's the high art for the generations. I can if they have insurance. We're going to come back to that. Um, but just to wrap the storyline up, uh, Jack wakes up, is threateningly holding Amanda, even though he's tied to machines and very weak. Amanda starts hitting him, and, and then he flatlines. I think Amanda killed him again. I just wrote, hashtag, he dies. I don't know that she killed him. I think he just dies. She, she just she's like slapping him, but that wouldn't be enough to kill him. He's grabbing her by the neck. Like I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, Mary. If if you're hitting someone and then they immediately die, you have some <laughs> degree of culpability. You, no, you, you can't just say, "Oh, that capital was going to invade itself." I didn't do it. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> but. But the episode ended with Sydney leveling up to the main event storyline, which she won't stay for long. But she was there dressed in a in a really cute outfit, by the way. And she says, why, Amanda, that is no way to treat your husband. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Okay, so that's storyline covered. High art for the generations. These motherfucking doctors. I can if they have insurance. First of all, Peter didn't laugh because it's not a joke. It's how they think. <laughs> it's how the whole system is set up. Yeah. So this Hippocratic Oath nonsense, I call them oath breakers. That's what I call doctors. Except mine. Mine's mine's great. And not just because I have insurance. I'm sure he'd care for me even if I didn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. I actually have a very cute doctor. He has, he has kind of a Matt Fielding vibe about him, actually. Well, that should surprise no one. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> Anyway, high art for the generations. The medical profession does not care about people. They care about money. I mean, it seems like a bit of a stretch. What? In the context of everything else that happened in this episode. Um, (laughs) You know what? Again, much like last week, I... I I empathize with the position you've put yourself in, and I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm going to let you have that one. Oh my god, I actually feel good about this one. I can't if they have health insurance. That jumped off the page. That's they're sending a message to the future generations. Don't trust doctors; they'll change your test results. Yeah, I think they've already sent enough signals in that capacity that we we probably didn't need this one. <laughs> if they, if they. <laughs> like Peter Burns, Dr. Peter Burns. If he can't unnecessarily take your appendix, he'll take your hymen, Amanda Woodward. Well, I mean, he'll he'll take what he can get, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know anymore. <laughs> all right. All right. Hit me with your best shot. All right. Well, what did you expect to find in my diaphragm case? A toaster? <laughs> <laughs> that did make me laugh. Uh, okay, so Brooke, it's morning. 
getting ready for work. She gets Billy to come back to bed, but he's like, I gotta go. I got a breakfast meeting. Then he goes in the bathroom to brush his teeth and he comes back holding her diaphragm case. And again, in a very weird delivery, he's like, goes, there's a diaphragm inside. <laughs> Just like, She's like, well, what did you expect to find in my diaphragm case? A toaster, which did make me laugh. Uh, he's like, oh, you totally didn't use it last night. She's like, well, why would I use it when I've been trying to get pregnant all month? Uh, this is not the way to have this conversation, Brooke. Also, that's not the way pregnancy happens. <laughs> you don't just try all month. That's not how the biology works, but okay. Uh, Billy's like, Excellent. yeah, also, let's go back. Pause. Mm hmm. We saw just last week Brooke have the sudden realization that she would not put in her diaphragm. I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, are you are we really worrying about continuity at this point on the show? I'm questioning, <laughs> yes. Has a month gone by? How no. long has Jack Parisi been in that hospital room? No, I, I I felt like this was a next day kind of scenario, but Yes. So Brooke is lying. I think I clocked it. I figured it out. Brooke, I don't think that one's the most honest. Wow. <laughs> yeah, put that put that down. Right. Like last week we talked about how we're the real experts on Melrose Place. Nobody else clocked that. Yeah, nobody saw that coming at all. He's <laughs> um, like, excuse me, how could you do that without telling me? And she says, I want to have your baby. Is that a crime? I'm doing it for us. So many red flags. Uh, he's like, you're manipulating me. And she goes, no, I'm not. And he's like, you do it so much, it's like breathing, and I'm getting sick of it. And then he leaves. Uh, later, there is a Halloween party at Shooters, because sure, why not? There's a dance. <laughs> uh, Sydney, in a moment that gave me another laugh, walked in and asked the bouncer if there was a discount for former employees. <laughs> there was not. Uh, anyway, Shelly is there. So they planned this mm -hmm. party thing. All right. So Brooke and Billy are there. And they've apparently not been talking today because I, I assume it's all the same day. She asked Billy to buy her a drink. And he said, that's not a good idea because one thing will lead into another. And they really haven't worked through the things from earlier yet. Uh, she says, how about I apologize first and then you apologize to me for stomping out. And Billy is pouting. He's like, I didn't step out. I cooled off. Mm -hmm. uh, she's like, well, Billy's hey. being a little bitch. Well, yeah, it's all, he always is. It's just worse than normal. Uh, she's like, I promise to use my diaphragm for no on unless both of us decide not to. And he said, this had better be the last time you ever pull a stunt like that. And of course it won't be. Uh, also, also, I'm here uh, from the wrong side of uh, a marriage to tell you, you don't talk to your spouse that way. You, you never say to your spouse, don't pull a stunt like that again. That's not going to go well for you. Have you tried it though? To see? Yes, I have. And that's why I'm telling you, don't do it. <laughs> Anyway, later, I believe, like, uh, the next day, we don't know, Brooke comes up to Billy at work, and she's like, oh, boy, I was at the doctor, and I've got a slight case of pregnancy. And he doesn't believe her, and she's like, oh, no, for real. He says, this kind of joke isn't funny after what happened. And he, he says, it's not a joke. It's our baby. He says, you can't be pregnant. We're going to discuss it first. <laughs> not That's also not how abortion works. No, and she's like, oh, this happened weeks ago, but it's now just showing up. And he's like, no, <laughs> which, okay. <laughs> she's like, are you saying you don't want to have this baby? He and seems pretty clear to me. He hesitates, and then he laughs, and he's like, I'm really having a baby? And she goes, 
mm-hmm. And she says, let's keep it private for a while. She says, I want us to get used to it before we go public. I'm like, you're not like Madonna. Nobody cares. Uh, <laughs> they smile and they kiss. And he looks especially stupid. He stares off into the sky and he's like, a baby. I'm like, these two idiots deserve everything that happens to them all the time. Um, this storyline makes very little sense. Uh, first of all, for the timing reasons you've pointed out, that doesn't make mm-hmm. Um, I don't buy that Billy does a complete 180 in like five seconds ago. As we were going to talk about this first year. A baby! <laughs> that look on his face. It's stupid. Also, again, if you're trying to get pregnant, you're not trying all month. There is a window of time during which that is a thing. I mean, you could go ahead and try all month, but it ain't going to get anything done. <laughs> well, you'll get done. It's not going to get that done. <laughs> I- I can't believe you're arguing that this is trash. Yeah. Really? I, really? You can't believe it? <laughs> I am really coming with the exact opposite argument. All right. Well, lay it on me. Lay it on me. Okay. So here we have a woman making her own healthcare decisions. Oh, God. Oh, 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 I know how you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. A woman making their own healthcare decisions. She gets pregnant of her own volition, although clearly the baby's fake, right? We can both see that. I assume this is a fake baby. Yeah, fake baby. There's no babies in Melrose Place. <laughs> this is one of those imaginary babies. Yeah, so she's she's not pregnant, but... And Billy's dumb enough to fall for it. Boy, is he ever. <laughs> yeah, but she she decides on her own to stop taking her diaphragm. He decides that's his business. He gets to decide what else goes in her vagina. <laughs> And then when he ta- when she says that she is pregnant, his reaction is, you can't be. Because <laughs> he, he didn't approve of it yet? <laughs> he literally says no. <laughs> Just, yeah. Again, not how that works. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be. Oh, but I can be. Like, ugh. But, like, and you know, okay, there's a whole argument you made here that, like, if you're doing it with somebody, you should be able to trust your partner, like, that you're on the same page or you've talked mm-hmm. about especially if you're married, even if you did get married in like five minutes after you met each other. But like, if he's this hell bent on not having a baby, the moment he figured out the diaphragm thing, he should have been running to the store and either getting a crate of condoms or going to schedule his vasectomy appointment. If this was really something that he was trying to avoid. You know what he could have done. Now this would have been the more respectful approach. Go and get you some plan B and just mix it up in her ice cream. (laughs) Sure, that's the way to handle this. <laughs> I mean, who among us hasn't? <laughs> oh God! Oh, that's what I. That's you know what you know what you know what. Hold on, hold on. That's not my argument. I give I I give you the ground. Great. I I give you the points. My second argument instead also comes from Michael Mancini. Okay. Saying, quotes, maybe you did, Matt. Maybe you did. Oh, okay. Because I assume this isn't making it on your list. But Matt's back in med school now and is like a harried college student. Can barely keep up. Oh, he's drinking so much coffee. Yes. But here's how we know he's a college student. Did you catch it? Um, I don't remember. You'll have to tell me more. He's wearing a social cause t-shirt again. I did- he, doesn't, he doesn't have time for polos. 
No, no more buttons. Back no to- buttons anywhere. <laughs> anyway, just the storyline real quick, right? Like Matt has to take this test and he needs a 500 to get into medical school, but he's worried that he didn't get it. Sydney reminds Michael to go easy on Matt. I don't know when Sydney became kind to Matt. It's like everything else on this show, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what we really needed was for Sydney to remind the viewers that Matt fixed Michael's blood alcohol test. Because Sydney turns to Cameron and says, remember when he changed your blood alcohol test after you crashed and killed Kimberly? <laughs> anyway, Michael shadily goes into the administration built room in the hospital and changes Matt's 498, a failing score, to a 502, a passing score. And here's why it's high art for the generations. Okay. He, he is not a fucking better doctor because he got four extra points. Those four points should not make anyone feel more secure in Matt's doctoring. And those same four points should not have made anyone feel any less secure in Matt's doctoring. We're making artificial, arbitrary cutoffs and determining a person's future for... A difference of two points. I don't approve of this. So this is the high art for the generations? The high art for the generations is, yes, the artificial cutoff because we are a society that believes in metrics. We are a society falsely that believes that uh, we are a, uh, what do you call that? A merit-based society? That's not true. We're an inherent-based society. And... We think there's some inherent value in some magic number. That 500 means something significantly different than 498 or 502, which statistically, they're the same thing. They're well within a standard deviation of each other. I don't know what the fuck you want from me, Mary. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, you took this path for yourself. I want to be... (laughs) No one made you do any of this Um, I will say, I, I don't, I, I feel like that might, that might be a bit of a stretch. Um, I did like when Sydney asked Matt if he should be off memorizing bones or something. <laughs> funny. Uh, again, enjoyed seeing him back in his AIDS fun run t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was the Tinkeray AIDS ride. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't catch that. Uh, I like Michael telling him that doctors have to hurt people to heal them, which seems to be what he and Peter think most of the time, like about most of their patients, given that Peter tried to appendectomize Amanda against her will. Uh, uh, Oh, there was. Oh, so I also really liked. So Michael is trying to log into the doctor medical student (laughs) system, whatever you call it. Uh, and he once again, like you know, all the other times he's broken into various computer mail systems at this hospital, um, mm-hmm. goes into, he just waltzes right into the administration office, like, okay, there's nobody there, into the records room, which is unsecured, mm-hmm. uh, gets on the phone, posing as another doctor, and asks for the password to the system to access the student's information, and they just give it to him, and the password is CRANIUM in all caps. <laughs> like this is I have to sit through so many modules where I work about like web security. Yeah. Like this is why. This is why. This is why. And I'm like, why don't they just not even have a password at this point? Just or give everyone the same password to the system. We did that. Like, password one, two, three. Yeah. Just make it that. It's fine. 
do you know do you remember that place we worked together i got locked out of my email account my first fall there <laughs> and i was on the road and i called you know who i'm talking about i won't oh, say her name she's a very lovely woman she said to me i can reset it what's your password <laughs> she asked for my password what am i supposed to do i mean you can't tell her no because she'll get you i did tell her no and she like Threw her arms up verbally, like, like I don't know what you want me to do. If you want me to reset the password, Tej, I'm going to need to know what the password is. <laughs> and I was like, but it, it said you would never, it said you would never ask. Yeah, but I mean, who's going to sit at her desk and pretend to be her? Like, you know who answered that phone. I do know who, I mean, I gave up the password and nothing bad has happened. So maybe that was the start of everything that went wrong there. <laughs> It's been a fucking long road. <laughs> oh boy. Well, I don't think we've resolved this yet. Much no, like I think we better I think we better take a break, Mary. All right, take a little breather. This week's episode of the Melrose Placecast is generously supported by the following sponsor. This is a public service announcement from the Wilshire Memorial IT Department. It has come to our attention that recently certain employees have been abusing the IT help desk by calling in, claiming to have forgotten or misplaced their passwords to the computer. This is unacceptable, primarily because our IT staff are supposed to be focused on setting up everyone's computer mail and installing those screensavers that look like pipes and or flying toasters. <laughs> to save time and strain on our beloved IT help desk staff, the Technology Committee has decided to initiate single password sign-ons system-wide. No, Ugh. this doesn't mean each user will have one password for all the systems. God knows you've all proven you can't keep bothered to keep track of that. No, instead, <laughs> Wilshire Memorial will simply have one password for each system that everyone can use. For example, oh. the password to the medical student testing site will be Cranium. The password to the blood alcohol content testing system will be Martini. <laughs> the password to the hospital intercom system will be Can You Hear Me Now? The password to the hospital vending machines is Funyuns. <laughs> and the password to the OBGYN suite is Diaphragm or Toaster Case. <laughs> if you run into additional password issues where you don't know your password, Please do not call the IT help desk. Again, they are very busy. Instead, please just consult the big list of passwords that will be posted on bulletin boards, doors, vending machines, and signs in the parking lot throughout the whole hospital complex, all right? Stop calling us. Just look at the list for the password or ask your friend or coworker. They'll tell you how to get logged in. Thank you again from the Wilshire Memorial IT help IT department. <laughs> okay. Okay. So here's what I would do if I'm at a computer and I need a password and I can't find it. Hmm? Just look at the post-it note on the monitor. Yeah. Why are people not doing that? We've explicitly told you to go ahead and do it. <laughs> I God, I'm so happy at the single side on password. I, to be frank, I don't know why we are so obsessed with passwords as a society. That right. now you have to text me before I, after I type in my password. No, thank you. No, like what's so private about your date of birth anyway? Your mom's telling everybody all the time <laughs> what birthday is. Yeah, but not my dad. He can't remember. 
See, that's why they shouldn't use their anniversary as the password. He's not going to remember. <laughs> Just make the password the word anniversary. He'll remember that, maybe. <laughs> he won't remember how many N's are in it. <laughs> maybe just the password 1234, then. Something simple. <laughs> well, this is, I have to say, this is an innovation that if I were in charge, would make me want to increase, not decrease the IT department's budget. So IT department people everywhere, I hope you're listening. I mean, we could all learn so much from the stellar reputation of the Wilshire Memorial IT department. Like they have really been nailing it over these past few seasons. What are they going to do when Matt becomes a doctor and isn't able to help with the software update? I love every time you bring that up because I forget about it. And then I'm like, why was the social worker guy there doing the IT stuff? Like, <clears throat> that's just how overworked they've been. They've had to call in people <laughs> for social services. You think it's crazy social services. You should go on down by the IT help desk. <laughs> And we are back for the second half of season four, episode nine of the Melrose Place cast. We are discussing Amanda Unplugged. Get it? Because MTV was doing all those unplugged specials at the time. It was the 90s and people were sick of electricity. They were. No, they were not. They were sick. To... They, they wanted electricity powered by coal. God. They would have. They threw baby Jessica in a well just to get a little more coal. We got to get that coal. Leave the baby in there a little longer. <laughs> get her get her good and coated with coal and then throw her in the fucking thing that makes electricity, whatever that is. Oh, Mary, Mary, you're up first. Can you imagine if baby Jessica is a listener? Like, she's going to feel so special. I imagine, this is what I imagine. Everyone in her life tells her every time they hear her referenced in any pop culture moment. And someone out there is also looking for Puddle. Ah. Yeah. And is is checking in on us to see if we've found Puddle so that they can stop looking, listen to the baby Jessica episode and let her know. So and, and yeah, then once you once you're in to the Marrow's Place cast because you're looking for Puddle. You hear Baby Jessica, you hear about dirigibles, you hear about Lisa Loeb, but boom, bimdy boom, you're hooked. You're suddenly you're watching old episodes of Models Inc. And you don't know what happened. You don't know how it happened, and you don't know why. It just happened. And that mid-season opener of Linda Gray's hairstyle <laughs> never explained. There aren't really words. I don't think the English language can do it justice. No. I'm with you. I'm with you. Hashtag me too. Well, should I carry on with another point? I wish you would. I will. I just have to get out of something first. <laughs> uh, all right. So Kimberly's sitting at Peter's listening to the radio. <laughs> uh, the phone rings. And what are the chances, Teach? It's Dr. Joyce Brothers at KChat. Who, by the way, is on screen now. That's new. Yeah, she's here, and she. I hope she's getting paid. She and do you know? Do you know what all the other podcasts identified, but we did not. What? What? What hour of the day is Doctor Joy's brother's show on in the Melrose Place universe? Because <laughs> Kimberly's been listening in the morning, in the afternoon, late at night, in the drive home, in the office. <laughs> she's look, Doctor Joyce Brothers. She knows how her bread is buttered. 
and it's whenever Kimberly's awake and near a radio. So yeah, yeah. she's just going to broadcast as long as that's possible. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Kimberly uh, answers the phone. It's Dr. Joyce Brothers. She says, you've been calling me on the air a lot lately. And I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, Kimberly says, oh, is that a problem? And Dr. Joyce says, oh, no, no, it's the opposite. We're about to start letting some of our listeners fill in as hosts on a trial basis. Bullshit you are. Uh, this seems like sound uh, psychological practice. Sure. Uh, she said, <laughs> it's a new thing they're trying to increase audience empathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would not fly now if you were trying to do this like on Facebook Live and you put on one of your patients to come and teach. Okay, whatever. Um, um, so she says Kimberly is one of their most popular callers and asked her to come into the station. When can she come? Can she come today? And Kimberly is hesitant and says, well, tomorrow would be better because I have to, quote, get out of something first. Something that's keeping me at home. Hashtag mm-hmm. bracelet. Wah, wah. Uh, cut back to later at Peter's house. I think we all know where this is going. Kimberly pulls her hand out of a container full of ice. Oh, no, 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 no. We did not know where this was going. <laughs> this is so, it's so, like, how, how do you not know? It's just so beautiful. Uh, we knew she was going to break it, but we didn't know what... Th- her hand in ice, <laughs> whiskey and ice is all you need. And a waffle machine, waffle maker. What? What? It um, was a waffle maker, right? Yeah, it was a waffle iron. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, okay. Again, she pulls her hand out of a container full of ice, presumably to numb it. Mm-hmm. Big shot of some kind of booze, sticks her hand into a waffle maker, closes her eyes, braces herself, and whacks it down <laughs> on her wrist. Uh, we hear crunching sounds and we see the monitor fall to the floor. Later, Kimberly appears at KChat, which is a very funny name for a radio station, uh, and she meets Dr. Joyce Brothers, who has just an ace bandage, by the way. All she needed was an ace bandage after that. Yeah, that'll fix it right up. Uh, Dr. Joyce asks what happens to her wrist, and she's like, oh, it was an ironing accident, which dubious at best. Dr. Joyce asks if Kimberly's a homemaker, and she says, I've done a lot of different things. <laughs> Dr. Joyce is like, you're very inner directed. You work hard at your own issues, but you can share your insights too. And Kimberly points out that she has been involved in the mental health profession. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't like Dr. Joyce asks if she has any radio experience. Kimberly says no, but she's an avid listener. Dr. Joyce says, I'll show you around and you can try going live tomorrow night. From tomorrow the- night. From the first time we spoke, I felt there was something special about you. This is fucking ridiculous, Teach. This is a fucking ridiculous storyline. It is ridiculous that Dr. Joyce Brothers is at Melrose Place, that she's on the radio apparently 24 hours a day on KChat, and that they would just bring in a random psych patient who calls into the show to run the show. This is insane. <laughs> like, would you, okay, if this happened now, okay, let's, let's say... We'll use Facebook, all right? We could use any of the social, like TikTok. Okay. This is a popular psych patient. We have some hours of coverage to fill. Let's just bring them on to give other people advice without any credentials. This sounds like a great idea. Mary, you don't realize how much you're making my own argument for me. Oh, wow. I disagree. This is not trash. Oh, boy. Kimberly... Dr. Kimberly Shaw being invited 
to serve as an on-air psychotherapist because she's been involved in the mental health profession? And, like, she's been involved in the opposite side of the mental health profession. She's not been a provider. <laughs> yes, but that is exactly what makes this high art for the generations. Oh, boy. See, in America, we have a problem. We, we have just one problem. Otherwise, all things are great. Everything's greater than this one thing. Yeah, but it, it's a one thing. It's a really bad thing. And it's been dragging our society down for quite some time. Is it inequity in the schools? No, no, no. Try again. Is it poverty? Oh, no, no, no. Mm -mm. Is it homelessness? No, no, no. All, all... Listen, you fucking social justice warrior. Is it the rising inequity between the different classes and the coming class war? No, Mary, come on. Who's Have you not been paying attention? <laughs> got it. You got to take the blinders off, you sheeple. <laughs> okay. In America, for the since the rise of Facebook, it's pronounced America. Thank you. <laughs> See, that I know you're joking, but that's just what I'm trying to say. Okay. We live in a world where scientists can spend decades at their craft, studying, conducting, doing the research, evaluating, conferring with other experts, and coming to conclusions. But if my uncle Dan doesn't understand it, his opinion is just as valid. Yeah, it's it, like an opinion, man. Because in America, in America, we have been suffering from a death of expertise. Mm. We no longer allow anyone to be an expert in anything and have their, uh, their perception or their perspective elevated above your fucking friend Julie from high school who keeps crystals under her pillow. Well, you got to put crystals somewhere. <laughs> no, you don't. Well, so I the, the, death, the death of expertise has been a well-established problem. It's been impacting and negatively impacting our societal decisions for a long time. And I believe Melrose Place, the brilliant minds... They gave us the wig reveal long before RuPaul existed. Mm -hmm. That showed us that Booker from Roseanne was a dangerous guy before he showed up on Roseanne. Mm -hmm. That dealt so carefully, so appropriately with race issues when Billy became racist. <laughs> became racist. <laughs> Who determined that Matt Fielding can't get a real job because he only has a master's degree in clinical psychology and social work? <laughs> when these brilliant minds came together, they were looking into the future. They were peering down the road at generations yet to come. And they said, they saw it, Mary. They said, people, they're not accepting experts quite the same way. And that trend is going to evolve and continue and expand and soon we're going to live in a world where nobody can be trusted for anything unless you like what they are telling you. The death of expertise, Mary. Allowing Kimberly fucking Psycho Shaw. I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to say that. <laughs> Nut job Kimberly. <laughs> on the air. Literally, literally. Her husband called and warned Dr. Joyce. 
calmly <laughs> and rationally. <laughs> she should be locked up with a warning sign for future generations. And Joyce Brothers says, we're going to put you on the air. And here's what was the kicker for me, Mary, that this was not just a twist of a weird spotlight moment to bring Dr. Joyce in, a pop culture moment. This was the writers trying to make a point because she didn't just say, you can come be a guest tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. I'll show you around the radio. You don't need to figure that out either. <laughs> she said she went out of her way to say, in order to increase view or listener empathy. So we're going to pass you off as an expert because we think you will make our listeners feel a certain way. And that's what matters more. Mm. Your Honor, I rest my case. Now all I could think is like, how can anyone trust us as Melrose Place experts? They don't, let me tell you. <laughs> they also don't think we're going to find Puddle. Well, they're just negative then. <laughs> um, I, I appreciate your spirited defense of the storyline as high art, but uh, I think you're, as a vegan, and, <laughs> and, and um, just in general, full of beans. <laughs> You can fuck off. <laughs> do you know do you know what I made ice cream out of today? Was it beans? Garbanzo beans. See, that's the thing about that is the beans are just never far away. Like <laughs> the beer it's everything is sort of bean adjacent. And that's fine. Beans are a great source of all kinds of things. Like beans. <laughs> protein. Protein from beans and bean protein. Bean protein wrap name of some sort of vegan product. <laughs> or all of them. All of them. All of the products. Um, I appreciate again your your spirited argument. Uh, but I think this is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I can't I can't allow it. I can't. <sighs> well, too bad you're not an expert on the topic. <laughs> no one is. That's the best part. Oh, the the examples on the internet of like people falling into this. There's just so many. It's so problematic and it just needs to be dealt with. We just need to accept like some people know more about things than you do. Oh my god, this is reminding me when we're when we're not recording. I need to give you a follow-up about a mutual acquaintance and one of their new hobbies. <laughs> you know, it's just Mary, they're not listening. No, that I can't run that risk. I can't run. <sighs> I, oh. Is it, is it Christopher? Is it the new show he's watching? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's Christopher. I'm freaking circus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mary, you get the, you get the final argument. Oh my God, I'm back already. Okay. All right. How do you like living in my house? <laughs> that line delivery was perfect. I'd like a status update. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll leave it to you. Go ahead. All right. Uh, so Allison and Haley are at the mansion. Uh, I guess they're having a business meeting because they're talking about marketing, but really it's a date. Uh, he says he likes working women. Uh, Allison asks if Brooke's mother had a career, and there's it's met with awkward silence. Uh, thankfully, mm -hmm. the doorbell rings, and Allison runs to answer. He says, oh, no, no, the butler will get it. And she says, oh, no, no, touche. I dismissed him and the kitchen staff for tonight. 
as a pizza gets delivered. Mm-hmm. Do you think it had goat cheese on it? I think and- it had goat cheese. I think it had pineapple. And I think they took it in the bathroom. They took it right in the bathroom. Uh, dinner is served, she declares, as she puts down the pizza. And he loves it. Uh, he tells her to go grab something out of the wine cellar. And then he's embarrassed. He goes, oh, I forgot you don't drink. And she's like, oh, that's okay. I'll go get something for you. So she goes walking off down a big ass hallway and she's trying every door for some reason. Like she doesn't know which one is the wine cellar. Uh, And she gets to one that is locked and Mm -hmm. he's kind of jiggling a little. And he ominously walks up and goes, don't ever go in that room. It's private. Is that understood? And she's like, okay, because what else do you say? Uh, And then he apologizes and he goes off to get the wine from the wine cellar. Okay. Like the next day or sometime, Brooke and Allison are at work and Allison has to go in to report to Brooke and give her a progress report on daddy's account. Mm-hmm. And Allison, we're having a lot of concept meetings, blah, blah, blah. Brooke goes, how do you like living in my house? And Allison says, I like it. <laughs> but then she goes on, actually, I find it kind of intimidating. All those rooms make me feel kind of lost. And Brooke says, I'll dry you a map sometime. Uh, Allison brings up the locked door. And Brooke's like, well, if you, do you really want to hear about it? And Allison says, yeah. And Brooke's like, that was my mommy's room. And she gives Allison a key and says, check that out and see why you can never compete with her. Later, I'm assuming that night, Allison gets home to the mansion, pops the key in the door and goes inside. It's a big fancy room like all the other rooms in the stupid house. There are pictures of Brooke. There are statues and vases. There's a big wooden armoire full of clothes. Uh, as Allison's just sort of walking around, she's not really digging. She's just kind of looking. Uh, Haley comes up and he's mm-hmm. like, I told you never to go in here. And she says, Oh, Brooke thought that I should. And Haley's like, it's not Brooke's place to give you permission. And he's not sure. Uh, Allison goes on and says that Brooke said that his wife and he cuts her off. He goes, my wife looks like this. And he smashes a picture of Brooke. And he goes, my wife wore clothes like this. And he starts throwing the clothes out of the armor on the floor. And he says, what are you trying to do? Learn her scent as she holds a perfume bottle in her hands. Uh, are you trying to become her? And Allison's like, I'm not looking for her. I'm looking for you. And she storms up and he follows her toward the front door and he's apologizing. And she's like, this is not what I thought it would be. He says, oh, baby, it can if we just work harder. Sigh. Uh, She says, all her life, her relationships have been ruined by secrets, and she won't do that anymore. Which, valid. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, He begs her to stay and to listen. He married Brooke's mother, Laurel, because he got her knocked up. And because she was rich. And Allison... Allison says, I thought she was the big love of your life. And he says, it was the big lie of my life. They had a contemporary curse, a marriage that was free, adult, and empty. He stayed married because he thought it was what was best for Brooke. He said, Laurel did it just to punish me. She was having affairs all the time. Allison's like, well, why do you have this room full of her shit if you hate her? And he's like, mainly for Brooke, but also to remind me of the charade and to never do it again. Brooke doesn't know anything about her mom's bullshit, and she probably sent Allison in there just to cause a fight. He says, I love you, Allison. Like, I've never loved anyone. Can you give me another chance? And they smooch. So I guess she's giving him another chance. Um, This is the most goddamn soap opera thing ever to have, like, a secret room that is locked and you are told do not ever go in there. You know. A a secret room that is not your bedroom, but is where she keeps all of her clothes. And it's off the main hallway (laughs) on the first floor. 
so close to the pizza bathroom, I bet. <laughs> I mean, who can blame Allison for trying to find a good bathroom? She got that pizza. She needs something. She's got to go somewhere and eat that pizza. Um, It's just, it's very, you know, like, like, I will say this. The guy who plays Brooke's dad, I think is a good actor. Like, I like him. I think he's, mm-hmm. he's doing a good job. Uh. I, I, I don't even mind really the way they're progressing this relationship, even though it's unrealistically quick. I think I appreciate that. Like, I think the actors are doing a fine job. I just think this is, this is very much a soap opera storyline that you have. We've all seen uh, many, many times. And so I would have, it would have been fun if they'd come up with some kind of twist on this. That wasn't again, a locked room full of all the deadly stuff. Like just kept, why would you keep all this shit? It doesn't make sense. It it does not make sense. His story, I mean, his story didn't make sense to Allison. So he's either lying to Allison or the writers didn't think this through. Uh, and I don't know which one is more likely. <laughs> it's too soon to tell. <laughs> it's a little bit like when Billy comes off flat. You can't tell if it's Billy is just bad acting or they 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 told him appear emotionless. <laughs> is it a choice or just how your face looks? Oh. I got to I listen I I couldn't come up with an I wanted to make this high art for the generations but I could not do it. Well, but I did love the way Brooke was like I'd like a status update on my daddy's account. <laughs> Allison answers with work and Brooke clearly isn't paying attention and just follows up with how do you like living in my house? <laughs> what a pair mm- these two are. Mary, did you have any other highlights that you would like to hit? Um well, I'm not going to recap the storyline because it's boring, but Jane walks into Richard's office at one point and announces they're going to Hawaii. And he says, we can't, we've got to get the summer line ready. And she goes, it's an inspiration shoot for the line. And Richard asks, oh, is this to help help you grow to love me? <laughs> Which is <laughs> the fucking thing in the world. Um, and then later, my other favorite moment, he does it again for some other thing, but um, at, toward the end of the storyline, Jake has decided he's going to screw Shelly. Uh, because Joe thinks is going. You mean literally have sexual relations with Shelley? Yes, yes, he is going to have sexual relations with that woman. Um, <laughs> and so he comes to see her. If he's, I think he's a little drunk. I he, he was coming across as drunk to me. Um, she's in the office at Shooters working on the books, and she he applauds her like melodramatic. Not, it's not sarcastically. I, I don't know. He's applauding her. And she jokingly goes, oh, for my next number, I'd like to do some Chuck Berry. And Jake puts his arm around her and says, why don't you do me? Yeah. Stay classy, Jake. Stay classy. <laughs> Did you have anything else we haven't enjoyed? And I loved uh, Jane and Richard. Their relationship dynamic hasn't changed. They both still hate each other. <laughs> She's but- still in that ring, though. She's flaunting that ring. She said, I'm still wearing this or have you forgotten? And he said, I'm trying to forget. And I was like, okay, so just having possession of the ring does not mean he must marry you. I don't know. I We have to check maritime law. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I didn't like it. I, I, I'll just say that. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. And the way Richard was trying to manipulate Joe to get to Hawaii... Yeah. was weird and when richard got jane sent off to new york yeah which was 
long after the trip was developed and planned. So there was a trip planned with Jane, and then later he decided Jane shouldn't be there. And when confronted by Joe about this was just a, a trick to get me alone, he says, and I quote, I wouldn't have objected to a little romance. <laughs> it's so weird. It just seems like it seems out of character for him too. Like it like I could see if he was flirting with Joe, but to go to these extremes of like manipulating and trying to plan the trip and get Jane not to go, like I don't know. It seems like in the past he seemed like a relatively I mean he's a passive aggressive little bitch, but otherwise he's a fairly straight shooter, like so it just seems weird to be going through all this like behind the scenes crap to get what he thinks he wants. So apparently we were supposed to see like they were developing a, a rapport between them, right? Remember when he was the ravager of women and he was touching her face and Jake was getting jealous. So that was going on, but I didn't, I wasn't buying it. But also if you think he's out of character now, just wait, just wait. <laughs> it gets worse. Oh boy. Buckle up everybody. Buckle up. Buckle up. Well, uh, anything else? Oh, uh, Peter confronted Michael and Sydney for hiring an actor to, to stalk Kimberly. So that was good. <laughs> that was a nice little moment. And I like that Michael, he said he couldn't take full credit. It was just one of those plans that just blossomed out of the union of two great minds. <laughs> I did enjoy that. They are better together, Michael and Sydney. They are. I don't know why they don't just get married. They are perfect for each other. They really, I mean, Sydney, I hate to say Sydney was right from the beginning, but she was. I mean, she saw it. She saw her perfect match in her sister's spouse. What? No, she found her, she saw her perfect match in her sister's boyfriend at the lake while he was fingering Jane. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Uh, oh boy. A 24-hour helpline for all of your mental health crises? What? It's finally real! Wow! You know, when you're done calling 1-900-GET-YOUR-OWN-MAN, you can call 1-800-DR-SHAW with two W's. <laughs> See... Dr. Shaw, you might say she has been involved in the mental health profession for quite some time. <laughs> Not long enough. <laughs> she is here to help you talk through all of your mental health challenges, no matter how trivial they might seem. Oh, wow. This sounds great. Yeah. Now, take, for example, Mary, you're having relationship problems with the love of your life. Oh, God. Not again. You're like two ships passing in the night or... Uh, I don't know if you heard the news about Pergosian, the 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 war criminal guy in Russia that challenged Putin. No, what happened now? Plane crash. Oops. <gasps> Whoopsie. Couple going. <laughs> <laughs> I should be That's funny. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, he was okay. a terrible person. R.I.P. But like, you know. <laughs> I gotta say, if you if you have tried to topple Vladimir Putin, don't get in play <laughs> over Russia. Right, stay on the ground at all costs. Like, don't, don't travel by mule or horse, like a docile horse. Okay, so this assassination was not meant to be a laugh line, but okay, okay. <laughs> so you're like two ships passing in the night. 
You know, she's being whisked away to Hawaii by a boss that admits he wouldn't mind a little romance while he's engaged to another woman. And you're too busy taking your brother slash murder victim's wife home to get topless in her bed. <laughs> How are you ever going to find time to be together? What a, it's a real pickle. It's such a common problem, too. We'll call 1-800-DR-SHAW with two W's and you'll get just the solution. Mm, really? You you can talk this out with your girlfriend while you're sleeping with your sister-in-law on the desk. <laughs> Boom. Two bimbos with one night. I don't know. I didn't write oh, that really, joke. really like sleep with a lot of sisters-in-law on this show. The in-law relationships right now are fucked up. <laughs> they're and fucked up. They're going to be real awkward this summer, guys. Oof. Or... Perhaps you're trying to figure out how to indicate that you're a harried, busy college student desperately trying to finish medical school so you can finally get a professional job currently out of reach because you only have two master's degrees, one in clinical psychology and one in social work, also, on top of whatever bullshit humanities you studied in undergrad. Also, not to mention the untold psychological trauma of trying to impress your father who just died. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Calling Dr. Shaw will help you start through the subtle signals sent out by your wardrobe. Mary, did you know you communicate things by what you wear? No. Yeah, I, well, yeah, okay. So you can <laughs> do... <laughs> you, you can... If I may, did, didn't Dr. Shaw once recommend to a patient much like this to just go get a sausage burrito? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> she did. She, she said, "Get fucked." <laughs> Look, she wasn't wrong. You know what? So, so calling Doctor Shaw will help you sort through the subtle signals you're sending with your wardrobe, and you'll figure out to dig all the way to the back of your closet, and you're going to get your Tank Ray AIDS ride shirt to let everyone know. Then not only are you a college student again, you're a gay college student. Yeah. You don't which, get message which, lost. Yeah. It, it, gay college students, by the way, it seems to be the only type they make these days anyway. <laughs> it's a different world, just like that show that was on after the Cosby show. Yeah. No, but of course, Dr. Shaw is a Jilless of all trades. Oh, my goodness. And you can call her also by dialing 1-800-DR-SHAW with two W's. And you can get help, Mary, with manners and etiquette. Oh, now that's an area that I need help in. Yes. <laughs> so let's say you're witnessing a social faux pas. Not as bad as bringing soup to a potluck. N nothing tops that. Not even an assassin. But but the soup can top mashed potatoes because nobody fucking brought bowls. <laughs> oh, my God. So say you're witnessing a social faux pas, like someone is wrestling themselves out of the grasp of their abusive, dangerous mobster husband, mm -hmm. and you witness them accidentally kill their husband in a second a second time. Twice. Whoops. Again. Whoopsie doopsie. <laughs> she tumbled him down the stairs. How do you address this, Mary, with a letter? Do you avert your eyes out of politeness and pretend you haven't noticed? That's the midwife. No! You address the situation head on and you say, Why, Amanda, that's no way to treat your husband. <laughs> oh, my God. 
And speaking of treating a spouse, Dr. Shaw is here. If you have the most convoluted, ill-conceived, unthought-out relationship to your first wife imaginable. <laughs> Do you love her dearly or hate her with a passion? Unclear. Did you marry for love or money? Um, neither. Do you wish she was still around or never had been there to begin with? Mm, I don't, it's, it's confusing, isn't it? It's real confusing. And which of those two scenarios is likely to leave you with a shrine to your wife in a room off of the main fucking hallway, which is not a bedroom, but is apparently where she kept all of her clothes? <laughs> I mean, Mary, how do you choose? I don't know. I just don't know. Well, Dr. Shaw is here to tell you that you're a 90s ladies man, and you don't have to choose. You can have it all. What? You can have that room with no logical explanation for why. You can protect all of the items in there for years and years, only to start throwing it all around when Allison walks in. <laughs> you can be so mad and apologetic a minute later. Call Dr. Shaw, 1-800-DR-SHAW with two W's, her 24-hour helpline, always on KPR radio or whatever the fuck it was. She's always here with a brandy and a waffle iron, ready to listen. <laughs> After all. She has been involved in the mental health profession for quite some time. <laughs> I can't wait to call in the good old Dr. Shaw. <laughs> like, I know she's on the radio a lot over there on KChat. But she's not on 24 hours a day, just like 20 hours a day. So I'm really excited to have this additional access to her. Um, mm -hmm, does, mm -hmm. this, uh, does this charge by the minute? Is it one of those? Or is it... Like, That's I, a great thing, Mary. It's 1-800, so we don't charge you, per se. We just bill you. Oh, mm -hmm. different. I like it that way. Yeah, it shows up on your phone bill, and it, it is a per minute. So it's $4.99 in the first minute, and $8.99 each additional minute. Well, because it uh, gets harder. The, the case gets harder the longer you're... Uh, yeah, and, you know, she'll listen. She's here for you as long as you have insurance. <laughs> well... I mean, God help you if you if you don't have insurance and you're trying to access this amazing service, you're going to have to mm -hmm. get a second or third job. Or if you're a struggling medical student, you might have to start selling off those fun run t-shirts. I wonder if they're just trying to tell us he hasn't had time to do laundry. Mm, that could be too. Although he does have a lot of those shirts. like he, Well, so many. When is he ever competing in these events? <laughs> is he one of those who just signs up and gets a t-shirt i don't blame him like he doesn't have time for all this not with studies <laughs> 1-800-DOCTOR SHAW now i wish she had a t-shirt <laughs> so wait seriously how how long does this show go on how many episodes are there <laughs> Man, I told you this, right? So it goes to season seven of the original run, but then there's the re the reboot season. So there's how many reboot seasons? Just the one so far. So far. Okay. But there's also, but then Mary, there's the, the Amazon has the true story of Melrose Place movie that we should cover. Oh God. How long? Yeah. And, and uh, Models Inc. has to be covered too. Wait, what the hell is Models Inc.? It's a two-season spinoff. Of what? What do they? Of, of Melrose Place from the lady from Dynasty was on it, I think. The lady from Dynasty, my God, this was like a whole industry. 
And I do think 90210, to get to understand where this show came from, is probably worth exploring. I, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> and then when Allison left, she went to Allie McBeal. Does it have anything to do with the contents of Melrose Place? I just feel like, how, do you really want to be an expert in this or not? I mean, I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> okay, so we're in for all of it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs>